Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, we have been running through this article from Banner of Truth. By the way, this is one of the best publishers in the world. If you are one of those people that like you want to start building your library at home, but you don't know what books are good, what books to trust, go to Banner of Truth trust and i would recommend pretty much any book that they've ever published because they're all good yeah well they they've stood the test of time we're talking about they're not um publisher of modern typically uh, modern books typically although there is a great one that's just been published by sinclair ferguson called devoted, devoted to, to god's church, church. Yeah, that's right and so that that one you ought to pick up because it goes right along with what we're saying devoted sure. to god's church yeah so on their website they're not only a store, but they have a section for blogs. And we've been looking at this one article called Public Worship is to be Preferred Over Private. And we're running through the reasons why the author is making that claim. Yesterday, we hit several of them. Number one, the Lord is more glorified by public worship than private. Number two, there is more of the Lord's presence in public worship than in private. And then we looked also how that there's a greater spiritual advantage in the use of public worship, meaning that uh, there's more edifying to one another in public worship Mm -hmm. than in private. So let's go to the next one. Um, Why is public worship to be preferred over private? The next one is this, that public worship is a better security against apostasy than private. He who lacks or rejects public worship, uh, whatever private worship he enjoys, is in danger of apostasy. Maybe it'd be helpful if somebody defined apostasy. Well, apostasy is uh, different than error. It's possible to to be in error and uh, be a Christian. Uh, apostasy means to reject Christ, uh, to to walk away from Christ. At least, the, at least that's the meaning that I would that I would understand. Uh, and. And, and obvious, I mean, this one is just very obvious. If you are not in relationship, in close committed relationship in the body of Christ with other Christians, if you are a, a Lone Ranger Christian, uh, you can walk away and, there, and there's no one to challenge you to come back. There, there's no one to hold on to you in love and say, no, don't go. Uh, there's no one to hold you to account. Uh, that's why that's one of the reasons we need each other. Okay, I got to stop you right there because I've been in Idaho my whole life and I know exactly what nine out of 10 Lone Ranger Christians would say to that. No, Pastor Phil, um, I don't do public worship, but I have Christian friends, you know, where we meet and we hang out. And, and so that's how I am held accountable. That's how I do church. So I'm, I'm good to go. Hmm. Well, wherever two or three are gathered, but I would want to challenge that person. Okay, well, tell me about 
the public worship that you do with your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about it. How often does it happen? Yeah. Who is uh, your Who is your elder there? Who is yeah? <laughs> to, to, to whom are you accountable? Yeah. Yes. To to to, to who will exercise uh, discipline on your behalf beyond simply saying, "Hey, buddy, you're wrong." I mean, who is actually who truly does hold you accountable? Who withholds the key of the kingdom from you? Yes. Uh, who who helps you understand that what is declared in heaven is declared on earth? The the idea of a lone ranger uh, Christian, I think that you know, I'm not sure if he's using apostasy as the uh, uh, complete departure, but a, he is talking about a falling away from God, and it's so easy. Uh, to do those things when you when you lack that Christian communion when you you know to simply fall away to become the prodigal and and you may be a prodigal for you know in fact you know talking to somebody the other night he talked about how uh, he 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 went to prodigal land for you know ten years a decade and he says I'm sure that if the church had been doing what they were supposed to do and hold me accountable that would have been a shorter time and I would have been um, back in the public worship uh, with God if I had people holding me accountable yeah. sometimes the church doesn't even do what they're supposed to do and I think we need to acknowledge that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so it's just as easy to fall away from, you know, you may be going to a big church that really has no membership, no that, that accountability. Is, that is kind of like a Walmart that doesn't have yeah, any you of don't those have things any, that the church you, calls us to do. You don't have any of those things. So just being there not, does not necessarily mean that you're actually going to be kept from falling away because they won't know when you're gone and they won't know you when you arrived. This, this might be an overstatement, and I'll let you guys correct me so that, that it'll all be good. Um, I think one of the main reasons for the writing of the book of Hebrews is to address apostasy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And in that book, you have, I think, the clearest case being made for corporate worship. Mm-hmm. And so this whole book is, is trying to keep these um, New Testament believers from falling away. And in chapter 10, it, it says, um, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with a heart sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Mm-hmm. Um, this is in, and then in, in, by the time you get to chapter 12, it, it's very clear that this is in the context of, of corporate worship, that all of this instruction is yep. for the body of Christ. And he's saying, you're all in danger. Mm-hmm. We're each in danger of apostasy. Mm-hmm. How do we protect against it? Yes. Well, at the first part of the book, he's saying you have a high view of Christ. Christology mm-hmm. on steroids is the first part of the book of Hebrews. But then in the second half, he's saying the other way you, you prevent apostasy is together. Mm-hmm. The church being the church correctly, loving and stirring one another up and promoting each other's needs and saying church is not about me, it's about us. And how am I going to strengthen and encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ? And watch out for them. Mm-hmm. And so, just attending church is not 
what the scriptures ever talk about. Yeah. That's not church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a man-made idea of what church is. Yeah. Church is that you are intimately involved and connected to the people that you go to church with because you care about their souls. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't do that on the sidelines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that idea of church is Americanism, not a biblical construct. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. that falling away, that apostasy, it just does. It isn't just like you know, you know, one day you f- fall away. It, it, you know, as you point in Hebrews, talking about this, it says in Hebrews two. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. It's kind of like those people that get on a you know a floaty you know in the ocean. And all of a sudden, they find themselves like a mile out um, mm-hmm. because they've just fallen asleep in the sun, and and they have no way of getting back. Uh, later on in that same chapter, he talks about, for it is fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things consist, and bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. This is why he's not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. Mm -hmm. That, you know, how do I know I'm a child of God in the midst of everybody else? God has, uh, is going to sing my praise. I'm part of the brethren, the brotherhood of Christ. Yeah. I'm sorry. As as we're talking about this, one of the things that just strikes me is just, I know that there can be different ways that a person holds this view of, of private worship being preferred over public. But I, but I'm sorry, but I think most of it's just arrogance, um, just arrogance that a, a person can say, "No, I, I want to do Christianity my own way and by my own rules and without regard to other people." That's really putting yourself at the center of your own universe. Mm-hmm. And and you can say, "Well, I I do this for charity, or I love my neighbor like this," and you can give any number of other things, and mm-hmm. and that's all fine and dandy. That's great. You should continue to do those things, but you do not. Ha- you're not God. And, you know, over and over and over again, Christ is the one who is the, you know, the the lamp in the midst of the churches. He is the one who built his church. He is the Lord of the church giving the sacraments. He is the one giving the, the deacons and elders and pastors to the congregation. It's his church. And to say that you have the right to do what, with it what you want is false. Mm-hmm. And it, it's... It's tragic. I think part of the reason why we're at where we're at today is because people have devalued the church so much. Yeah. Well, that's what he said about the gifts too. You know, he talks about the, you know the gifts being you know being gifted in such a way, and he compares that to the parts of the body. The eye has no, you know, the eye can't say to the ear, "I have no need of you," or the ear to the eye, "I have no need of you." He, no, we need each other. Yeah. Um, Amen. Amen. Well, can we do one more? Or do you want to say something? No, no. Let's do one more before we end. Uh, why is public worship to be preferred over private? Because the Lord works his greatest works in public worship. Conversion, regeneration, etc., are usually accomplished through public means. Faith comes well, by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You took the word of God. Ah, I'm sorry, I jumped in there. Uh, but that's the truth. You know, that's what we oftentimes praise these uh, big public events where, you know, you have, a, you know, like a, a crusade and people will come forward. But even that is public worship. But when it really takes place, it takes place in God's, in God's church. You invite uh, an unbeliever there. He recognizes that God is among you. 
and uh, and um, his heart is opened by the Lord to receive the things of God and to think th- God's thoughts after him, and, and that work of regeneration takes place in the hearing of God's word. Yeah, you know, um, something that uh, we've probably all heard before is the person who says, you know, my church is the outdoors. And I, I like to go to, I go out in the woods, I go up here, I drive up here into the Boise National Forest, and, and that's where I worship. And uh, just out there in nature and seeing the beauty of nature, well, something that, I've, that I, as a pastor, I've said to many people, you know, that's wonderful. Uh, and being out in, in nature is a wonderful gift, and, and to, to see God's, the beauty of God's creation can, can be inspiring. But a tree never said to anybody, take up your cross and follow me. <laughs> uh, that's, we need the proclamation of the gospel. We need the public proclamation of the gospel. We need the public preaching of God's word. We all do. And, and you know, us, us pastors, mm-hmm. uh, we need it too. Uh, we, 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 need, we need to be preached to. Mm-hmm. And there, there's no substitute for it. And there's promises made to the preached word that is not made to other means. Yes. Um, so there is a power that's present when God's word is proclaimed in purity um, from mm-hmm. a pulpit that you won't find other places. And yeah. there's a work that will be accomplished in the church that God, for whatever reasons, he's all wise. I don't know why he's made those promises specifically to his preached word in, the, in a congregation, but he has. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm not going to downplay those or neglect those and, and say, well... Right. If I have that once out of of the year or 10 times out of the year, why not have it as much as you possibly could? Mm -hmm. Well, you've been listening to The Gospel for Life. If you missed any of our broadcasts, you can subscribe to our podcast, The Gospel for Life. Hope to see you next time.